decisions are a part of our everyday lives. Some are big, like what career you'll choose, or who you'll marry, or if you will have children or not. Some may seem small, but ultimately add up to create the fabric of our lives. I am in a season where I am making some big decisions in 2023. It is exciting, but also, if I'm honest, a bit terrifying. Then I came across this book, Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision Making. It makes difficult decisions a lot easier when you have a three-pronged framework like this to break it down into. Do I start? Do I stay? Or do I leave? Only you know the correct answer, but this book can help you get to that answer. It's written by a man many of you know, Trey Gowdy, a man who has worn many hats in his life. He was a federal prosecutor and a district attorney turned congressman from South Carolina for eight years from 2011 to 2019. After his time in the House of Representatives ended, he went back to his roots and is practicing law again, and he's also a Fox News contributor, hosting Fox News Primetime and Sunday Night in America with Trey Gowdy. In and out of his career, he has made many decisions, and he's got quite a bit of wisdom to share with us. Take a listen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. And as you just told me, thank you for writing the book that you wish you had when you were my age. Thank you so much for that. Well, you are kind. I I, I wish I had been able to write it when I was your age, but I was too busy. Uh, I was in the middle of making not great decisions. So I hear you. I but see, we're not going to make not great decisions because we've got the book in front of us and we're we are going to learn how to start, stay or leaving, you have so much going on in your life. You are a very busy, busy man. So why decide to write the book and why decide to write about decision-making specifically? Well, I'm probably not any busier than anyone else. I'm probably just a, a poor manager of my time, but uh, <laughs> but I, I love to write. It is one of my, you know, it's, it's rare for someone who's spent a lot of their career in a courtroom on their feet and mm-hmm. or or giving speeches i would rather write a speech than give the speech i mean i'm not mm-hmm. nervous i'm fine giving it but i just i love writing and and you know with television there's always a hard out it usually after 5 minutes mm-hmm. five, 5 minutes is not like a real long time to unlock the mysteries of the world so right the book is a longer a longer forum i love to write the idea I mean, I'm a, I, it, if you had told my any teacher I had growing up that <laughs> I was going to read three books, they would be shocked. <laughs> if you told them that I was going to write three books, they would not believe you. <laughs> and I thought I was done after the last one, but it was, a, you know, I tell the story in the book. It was a just kind of a chance encounter with a with a lady I did not know in the parking lot of a grocery store. I was there with my wife and. She used the word that I covet the most at the at the, at the end of my career or the end of my time. I want people to say he was fair. Mm. And so I thought, you know, she had no idea I'd been in Congress. She thought I was still the district attorney, even though I'd been gone for a decade. And mm-hmm. but her the word she used, she said, we thought you were fair. Yeah. And so I thought maybe the, the decisions I've made in life have not been as bad as maybe I thought they were. Maybe it all worked out for that kind of closing argument or final picture that I wanted. I love that. 
And just a, a woman in, at the grocery store could could have that much impact on you. That's pretty powerful. Well, you know, there, there there's another book there too. I'm sure that mm -hmm. um, just I do write in this book about not letting people that don't know us impact our view of ourselves. Yeah, that's um, hard though. It is hard. It, it I think it's harder for your generation than it. Well, I say that. I mean, I, got, I had plenty of colleagues that would spend a lot of their time, you know, kind of scrolling through their social media feed. And mm -hmm. uh, you do need people in your life to give you accurate, uh, occasionally blunt uh, feedback. Uh, sure. I have a chapter on Nathan. Nathan was a, mm -hmm. a prophet and advisor to King David in the Bible. We all need a Nathan. Right. But I don't know how or why you or I would get that worked up over what someone who had never met us, didn't know anything about us, didn't know our motivations would think about us. I just, I don't know. And it wasn't like, I didn't think I was fair until this lady told me that mm -hmm. it was more forcing me to kind of take a glimpse. At, it may be the last time I ever meet her. That may be the last impression mm -hmm. that, that, that she ever has. And there's going to come a point where it is the last time we see people, whether it's a retirement yeah. party or, you know, 50th wedding anniversary, whatever it is, mm -hmm. how do you want to leave them? And what do you want them, you know, to think or remember? And if you have that idea in your mind, if your goal is to be the richest person in the world, I can tell you, you'll be miserable. You're probably not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I would advocate that you shoot for another goal. Well, that's, I, I'm a writer, so that is not my goal. <laughs> if that were my goal, then I would definitely be in the, in the wrong profession. But the crux of the book comes down to decisions and their importance on our lives and how our lives are shaped through our decisions daily, the big ones, the small ones. You write, I have come to realize that there's something larger that binds a life together. There is an inherent link among the jobs you take and the ones you don't, the people you befriend and the relationships you end, the schools you choose and the hobbies you pursue. Every one of those pursuits is initiated, nurtured, extended, or perhaps severed because of the decisions you make. And then you continue that decisions are the building blocks of life. They touch every area of your life and they chart your course. I found that if you excel at the art of decision-making, you will undoubtedly craft a well-lived life. So this might be hard to pinpoint, but when did you learn how important decisions are to having a well-lived life? When did you realize, wow, there is an art to decision-making? It's it's been cumulative, and I I think probably the moment that I had something of an epiphany. Um, you know, if you read this book, I had a lifelong fascination with the federal bench. I, to me, because I subscribed to this pyramid theory of life, that mm -hmm. my value and my meaning came from doing things that other people had not done. Mm -hmm. uh, some people like to think about climbing a ladder. I thought about a pyramid. We're all born, but then we try to distinguish ourselves and we try to get to the very top of the pyramid where just not that many people have done what we have done. And that's the wrong way to look at life, but that's how I looked at it. And so I had this fascination with being a federal judge because that kind of is the pinnacle of the legal career. Mm -hmm. And when that opportunity came, I, I didn't take it. And so I, I started thinking, well, what what changed? I mean, you spent 
20 years thinking that was that was Jerusalem that was yeah. Mecca that and and then when when it was presented to you that was no longer the case so there that was the moment i realized that the transformation had had occurred when did it occur i think when i just started defining success the way I wanted to define it and not the way other people wanted to do it for me. I love that. And you encourage us in the book to apply a method and a purpose to our decision-making and that it really comes down to three simple questions, which are outlined in the title of the book. Do I start, do I stay, or do I leave? And as I told you just a minute ago, before we started recording, I'm making a ton of big decisions in my life right now. 2023 stands to be a huge year for me. And I've found that this is a fantastic framework from which to make decisions. I've already started using it in my own life because I really am in a moment where I'm making a lot of big decisions. So how did you come up with these three simple questions? Well, you know, I mean, it's a challenge to kind of define what life is. I mean, for, for, you know, I have children in their 20s, and I'll bet you they would say life is really reflected in the photo section or the video section of their phones. That's where they capture the people and the events and the moments that mean the most to them. And that mm -hmm. may very well be true. And or it may be the jobs we've had or the relationships we've pursued. All of that mm -hmm. stem from a decision. Mm -hmm. So I. I the most common question I get is, why did I leave Congress? And it always struck me that the better question is, why did I run in the first place? Why did mm -hmm. I leave a job I loved? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes in life, we do have to leave. Sometimes the, the price we're paying is too much for even a job we love. Or in theory, sometimes the price we pay in a relationship, it's just, it's too much. Mm -hmm. So- what I would say to you and what I've said to everyone who's willing to read the book, you've got to do what it sounds like you've already done, which is have a very, very candid conversation with yourself yeah. about what you are good at. And if you're not currently good at it, can you realistically become good at it? Mm -hmm. I would love to play golf for a living. Mm -hmm. the, the only challenge is I'm not good enough. Right. So uh, that's a pretty big challenge. In fact, it cannot be overcome. So it, it, it just doesn't do me a lot of good to think or dream or plan to make a living playing golf. Mm -hmm. What are you good at? What do you like? What's really challenging is when you're good at something, but you don't like it. Yeah. Cause, cause people are saying, Oh, but you've been given a gift or, you know, God's blessed you. And my response to that is, well, then he would have also given me the desire and yeah. I don't have the desire. Mm. So I didn't think I was good in Congress. And then, and people will say, yeah, but you know, we watched you in committee hearings or you gave a speech on the floor of the house. Okay. That's great. But those um, abilities, if that's the right word, can also be used in a number of other facets of life that I would find more rewarding. Mm -hmm. So whatever that skill set is, if it is one, can be transferred. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, I don't think it's an oversimplification to say that the bulk of the decisions we make is, do I begin something? Do mm -hmm. I start something? And there's a lot of excitement there, but we need a paradigm. You know, mine 
as I wrote about, is what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, and that's that, your mantra. What's the worst thing that can happen? That's my mantra. <laughs> it might not work for other people. I had fraternity brothers. Their mantra was, hey, watch this. Uh, <laughs> that's also not a good mantra. That's but, been a lot of my my mantra for some of my decisions. Hey, watch this. And usually it's kind of a dumpster fire, but we're trying to we're trying to move past that now. But you know what? We're going to make decisions that in hindsight we would have redone. Yes, for sure. And that's a, that actually leads into my next question perfectly. You write that there are multiple routes to get to a destination, and I agree with you. So I think a lot of people find themselves in decision fatigue or analysis paralysis, so afraid of making the wrong decision that they just make no decision, which I think making no decision is a decision of its own. And so I'm wondering, you know, off of, based off of what you said in the book, that there are multiple routes to get to a destination, does that help alleviate the fear of decision-making and getting it wrong? Because I know so many people feel stuck, afraid to get it wrong, and so they just make no decision. Yes, but we have to redefine what getting it wrong means. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another big part of life is we let, not only do we let people tell us what success looks like, we confuse losing or not succeeding with failing. Mm. And, and we can't do that. I mean, you cannot pick someone that you look up to or admire. And I write about some of them in the book, some very well-known historical figures that quote lost, mm -hmm. but, but we're still talking about them and mm -hmm. we're talking about them in a favorable way. So they did reach their desired closing argument. Mm-hmm. You are correct. Not making a decision. Now, staying where you are is a decision. Right. And, and it gets short shrift because think of, people may think, well, it's boring. It's not exciting. Oftentimes, staying where you are, you know, you got to evaluate. Why do I want? Why do I want to leave? Why do I want to leave and start something new? If what you want to change is going to follow you, um, if you are trying to change a situation at home by changing a workplace, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to change something within yourself by changing a job or moving to a new apartment or picking up a new hobby, I don't think that's going to work. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out what it is you really are trying to change. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because sometimes staying is the most powerful thing we can do, you know, staying there and working it out where you are. Sometimes you've got to do something. Well, it shows perseverance, mm -hmm. which, which people like. It does show perseverance. It shows commitment. And, you know, you're still at the point in life where you may bump into someone who says, we really, really like you. We just wish you had more experience. <laughs> well, there's only one way to get that. <laughs> and that's right? probably to stay doing something for more than just a little while. Right, 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 right. And it's interesting because that's so it's it's a good point because, you know, the book is start, stay and leave. And so I have a question for you about starting. I have a question for you about leaving. I don't have any questions for you about staying. And that's because I do think that it is so underrated. Sometimes you have to leave and you know when that is. And we'll talk about that in a second. But that's that's very interesting that staying is is a powerful decision, too. And um, but I want to talk about starting. So you suggest that we start with the end in mind. And as we make the decision to start something new, you write, we should ask three questions. Number one, how does this plan support the vision I have for my life? Number two, are logic, information and facts driving my decision or have I let my emotions 
take control? Very valid question. And number three, does this decision limit or otherwise close me off from opportunities to pursue other dreams? So what would you tell someone who is afraid to start something new because of imposter syndrome or not feeling good enough or that they're not worthy of the calling that they feel on their life? Well, again, they the hardest thing in the world to do is to look in the mirror and have a candid conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it is, I mean, I do, look, I'm not a fan of lying to other people, um, but I understand people's motivation. Um, they want to appear uh, to be more successful or more likable. It's wrong, but I understand the motivation. I do not understand any part of the motivation of not being honest with ourselves. Yeah. So if we are fearing failure, which I lived in a prison called fearing failure. I was talking Mm -hmm. to a buddy of mine. It may have been John Ratcliffe, um, who fabulously successful by anyone's reasonable definition in life. And I said, John, are you motivated by a desire for success or a fear of failure? And I couldn't even get the Mm -hmm. sentence out of my mouth. He's another guy that's motivated by a fear of failing. Mm. So if that's going to be your motivation in life, I don't know that I can change that. But what I can do is get you to do a better job of defining what failing is. Mm -hmm. And to me, failing is not opening a business and having an insufficient number of customers. Mm -hmm. It could be that you were just 18 months ahead of your time. Failing is not writing a book and having nobody read it. That is right. not failing. I can't control that. Right. Failing is often not doing what you feel led to do because you let fear drive the car mm. instead of something else driving the car. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I have learned my greatest life lessons through my abysmal failures. Uh, the mountaintop is where we all want to be, but my failures, they don't define me, but they've certainly been great teachers. And so I don't think we should fear failure because that is where some of the best lessons, well, I don't think we should court failure necessarily, but I think some of our best lessons can come from some of our biggest mistakes. And so just be open to the lesson. It would be what I would say, but I don't know what you think. No, I, 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 the only thing I would add to that is we need to redefine what it means to fail. Yeah. Um, you and I, I opening a restaurant that happens to be, you know, a half a block from where they're getting ready to break ground on a food court is not failing. <laughs> it is. Right. It may be bad luck. It may be bad timing, but it's not failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, failing to me is is c- consists of character flaws. Yeah. I mean, if you have character flaws that I'm, I'm, yeah, I think you should call that a failure Mm -hmm. and failure also sometimes is being so paralyzed Mm -hmm. by other people's expectations or definitions or commentary that you don't even venture. You don't even try. Mm -hmm. Well, so we've got, we've got start, we've got stay, but there are times when you know, you can't stay. And maybe even more difficult than starting something new is leaving something, especially something that you've done for a long time. So once again, you give us three questions to consider as we think about leaving something. Number one, is your current situation encouraging growth and improvement in your life? 
Number two, how are your past decisions and regrets informing this decision? And number three, do you know what your next step will be or will leaving decidedly open up opportunities that will lead you towards your closing argument? I really like how you keep bringing up closing argument. And now I understand because of what you just said a minute ago, the significance of that even more. So what would you say to someone who knows in their soul, and there's people listening to this that know they need to leave something, be it a job or a place or a relationship, but they're stuck in the guilt of upsetting someone or multiple someones with their decision to leave. They're more, more said differently. They're putting other people before themselves. Well, you know, some of these are really, really fact specific. I, I prosecuted um, a lot of cases uh, where uh, women were hurt or killed by men who claimed to love them. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a situation where you're thinking about leaving a relationship because of fear, uh, fear for your well-being, then uh, time is of the essence. Yeah. You don't, you don't have the luxury of time. If you are thinking about leaving Congress, um, which, you know, it took me, it took me a term longer than it should have to reach that, uh, not to reach the conclusion, but to act, act on it. Mm -hmm. Um, then, then time is, I try to tell young people lateral steps are inevitable. Sometimes in life, we have to make lateral steps. I mean, you don't, no one wants to step backwards. No, no one wants to go from being a manager back to being you know, a, a, a non-manager. We mm -hmm. perceive that as a step backwards. Sometimes it's, it, you also have to do that. Everything is not going to, to um, gain you progress towards wherever it is you want to go. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would encourage people to look at, I mean, I did it last night. I had to go to an event. So I'll pull out my navigation app, which my wife finally just told me, I've been calling it waves for about five years now. <laughs> and she says it's waves, not waves. It's not it's the waves. ocean. Yep. W-A-Z-E. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why she let me do that for five years, but <laughs> it, it, it gave me multiple ways to get where I was going. And mm -hmm. there were differences. There's difference in scenery. There's difference in time. There's mm -hmm. some are, you know, on the interstate, so it's more fraught with peril, but it's going to save me time. There are multiple ways to get some, you know, have toll booths. You're going to have to wait in line for a second. I, I consider that, you know, being at a job that maybe is a dead end job, but I don't have an alternative yet. Mm -hmm. So, and I have obligations, financial and societal and familial obligations to meet. So I'm staying not because of my vocation, but because of my other responsibilities. But that's also a part of life. I mean, you don't want to get to the final final scene and have them say, oh, they were a great worker, always punctual, always dependable, but uh, a lousy father, a lousy spouse, lousy mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. So sometimes our what we do for a living is subrogated to who we're doing it for. Mm-hmm. Lateral That's steps, avoid them if you can, but we've all, we've all made them. I mean, I, I sat there and treaded water for 11 months, mm -hmm. uh, working for a law firm that I knew I was not going to stay there because I was running for office and I had to do something to put food on the table. Right. So that, 
that's a period of life where I need to judge it based on something other than my vocation. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best examples I think I've heard for decision-making is I don't use ways personally, but I, um, I just use my Apple maps and, you know, there's, there's multiple routes and we just talked about this, but I've never thought of it in this context. You're still going to get to the same destination. It might take you a little bit longer. The scenery might be a little bit different, but as long as you have that destination typed in and tapped into your maps app, whatever it is, you're going to get there. But yeah, I mean, and then there's roadblocks and that, that's a really, that's really well said. And I also want to read this passage, letting go of a dream can be excruciating, <clears throat> excuse me, tickle in my throat. I can feel like failure. But letting go of an old dream is not a failure. It is forward movement, progress wrapped in remembrance. And by retiring certain dreams with pride and nostalgia, we can focus more of our energy and time on the new goals that will bring hope into our lives. So we already know that our yeses are powerful, those mountaintop moments, but why can our no's be powerful as well? Well, I mean, it's a, it, it is part of the journey. I mean, when you were reading that, I was sitting there thinking, okay, what if my dream were to be an elite level gymnast? I've used this I mean, example for myself many times and how that would never happen. I hear well, you. Well, but even if that were your, I mean, you're aged out at what, 24, 25? Yeah, I mean, even younger sometimes. So, so yeah, you have a dream, but it is for a season of life mm -hmm. and and, and it's okay. It's okay to think back with nostalgia. It's okay to sometimes wonder what if, I mean, don't let it like imprison you, but it's mm -hmm. okay to look back. There are different dreams that I think that fuel us or propel us depending on where we are in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dream right now is to be able to let my wife go to the beach for a month, not just a week, but for a month. That's a good husband right there. Well, she likes the beach. And un unfortunately, I'm afraid she may want me to go with her. And I'm not crazy <laughs> about it. But so that's a dream that, you know, I got to work hard. I got to save my money. But I might be able to pull that one off. Whereas 20 years ago, my dream was to keep, you know, she and I out of debtor's prison. Mm -hmm. it, it was just to pay the bills or to, you know, help our kids, you know, go to college. The dreams change and it's so, I mean, look, I love golf and there are still these moments where I'm on the driving range and I'll hit a couple of good shots in a row and I'll think, you know, I'm there's, there are guys on the champions tour on the senior PGA tour that are older than I am. Bernhard Longer still winning tournaments and he's in his sixties. And for, for a moment, the dream is, wow, maybe if I could qualify for a senior event, it's no longer to play in the masters or to play on a regular PGA tour event because that dream's gone. Mm -hmm. So, and then when I realize this dream's gone too, then I'm going to replace it with, I want to win the senior club championship at my local country club. Mm -hmm. And then when that one's gone, I'm going to replace it. And that's okay. That's part of life. Mm -hmm. We have to, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about the gymnast still. If your only dream was to be, you know, an Olympic gymnast, well, then that ends by 25. Now what? You've got 50 plus years of life left. You've got to have new dreams. And, and I, I think that so many people just get stuck on, on one path, but there's there, that's the thing about life. I'm, I was thinking as you were talking earlier about how I 
the dream that I had to, you know, move to New York city and be on the today show. That was my dream throughout most of my childhood and young adulthood. And now I could move to New York city if I wanted to, but I have no desire to live in New York city. No offense to people that live in New York city. I just, that's just not where I want to be right now. And so you just have to adapt and change your dreams and your decisions with where your life is and what happens in life. And it's, it's just really so much about being adaptable, but keeping that framework of start, stay and leave as you go. And, and I'm glad that I have this toolkit now through this book. And we all know that decisions can be difficult. And I am leaving, this is my, this was my last question for you. I wish I could talk to you forever, but you know, I'm trying to leave my listeners in each episode with a takeaway tip that they can walk away with to, in this case, make a decision that has been weighing on them. So what would you say to a listener as a tip to start making an important decision that they know needs to be made? Well, you know, people encourage others to make a list of the pros and cons, and I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, Mm -hmm. that's never helped me. A one pro can outweigh every con. So it's not a one for one. Yeah. Learning how to weight the pros and the cons I just don't want to go through life saying, I wish I had done something. Yeah, absolutely. We've got one, one shot at this one shot at this gift called life. And if we can learn to define success or failure by whether we ventured or tried as opposed to the outcome, then I think we'll be liberated to try more, to leave more, to start more. So Mm -hmm. Whatever prisons, my prison was fear, a fear of failure. Whatever prisons your listeners find themselves in, largely constructed by other people, Mm -hmm. give yourself the key to the door, walk out of it, and try. Mm, That's it. That's it. I don't know anybody in my life or any listener that's listening that isn't making a decision right now. This book is here to help you. It's called Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making. It is out right now. Thank you so much for being here today. You've got my wheels turning in my brain, and I'm an, I'm ready to make some good, informed decisions. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I hadn't given up. One of these days, I might see you on the Today Show. Yeah, well, actually, you know what's crazy? I have been on the Today Show, but as a guest, not as the anchor. I was, I was talking about Carolyn Bissett's wedding dress, but I digress. <laughs> so dream, see, that's a great point. You didn't even mean to make that point. Dreams come true, even if it might not look like how you envisioned it in the beginning. Ooh, that's a good point to close on. Maybe it won't look like how you plan, but it's still pretty beautiful. And that's, that's the, the great that's part the power of life. Of life. I love it. <laughs> that's the great Thank you so much life. for being here today. This was yes, awesome. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You take care. I hope that whatever decisions you're making right now, you'll stay true to yourself and do what you know is right. And only you can know that. You are worth living the best life possible. And so much of a well-lived life boils down to the decisions we make, big and small. The book, again, is Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making. It is out now, and it really can help you in the sometimes overwhelming decision-making process. Friends, next week, we're talking wellness and leadership and then the Beatles and James Bond and so much more as we jump into February. It's February next week. Can you believe that? I am really happy you're here on this journey with me.